The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. So today we're in between series, and a lot of times when we're in between series, what I do is I, I invite you know God to, to speak with me specifically on what He wants to share that week. And so uh, on Monday this week, I went in kind of thinking I had this idea what I wanted to preach on and talk about. And so I started studying for it and I just could not get peace about it. And so um, I I spent some time on Monday looking at that and doing some other things. Well, Tuesday, typically Tuesday for me is the day that I really start putting some direction into the message for the weekend. And I had no idea what I was going to preach on. So I was praying that morning during my quiet time and just saying, Lord, what do you want me to talk about? I don't know. I mean, this thing I was going to talk about, I just don't have peace about. And when I said that statement out of my mouth, I just felt like the Holy Spirit just said, bingo. And so today I want to talk to you about peace. I want to talk to you about being a peacemaker. In fact, if you're taking notes this morning, my message is called Peacemakers. And what I want, to, I want to share with you is, is the peace of God, how we can step into the peace of God. Because here's what I believe. I believe God wants us to have peace so that we can create peace in the environments that we step into. God wants us to be peacemakers. He wants us to bring peace into a world that is seriously lacking peace right now. Can anybody agree with me on that? Amen. The world we're living in right now is, is nuts. And what's wild is it feels like Every week, we've just come to expect it to just be crazier. I mean, you think about the last several months and all this different weird stuff that's happened. You know, hurricanes hitting our, our shores and flooding cities. Um, we, we've got the threat of nuclear war with North Korea. We've got racial tension and patriotic tension. And we had the, the largest mass shooting in American history that just took place. And it just, it's almost like we're just coming to expect this now. We just expect every week that we're going to find out something else that's crazy that's going on in the world right now. And and peace is at an all-time low. Now, something you need to understand is uh, God knew this was going to (laughs) happen. And the Bible speaks to this being the culture of the world uh, before Jesus comes back. Now, I believe that we are living, we are the generation of people who is living in what the Bible calls the last days, meaning that, that Jesus is coming back soon because he said he was going to come back and he was going to rapture his church one day. So I believe we're the people, that, the generation that's going to see that take place. I believe there's a lot of things pointing to that. Now, if you believe that, then you'll also notice that when, when this was talked about in Scripture, it talked about the, the days leading up to it not being the the best days in the world. In fact, the Bible says this in 2 Timothy 3 verse 1. It says, in the last days, perilous times shall come. That word perilous there uh, means hard to do, hard to bear, troublesome, dangerous, harsh, fierce, savage. How many agree? That's the kind of world we're living in right now. It's a tough world. There's a lot of crazy, hard things happening right now, and it seems like chaos is all around us. Jesus spoke uh, more directly to this himself in, in Luke chapter 21, talking about the days before he would return. He said this, there will be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars. We're already seeing those things taking place. On earth, nations will be in anguish and perplexity. That word perplexity means that, that there's no answer. And you know, a lot of the stuff that we're seeing in the world right now, there's no answer to these problems in the natural world. 
Goes on to say, at the roaring and tossing of the seas, people will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world. And Jesus here prophesies about the terrorism that we're going to see in the world in the days that we're living in today. Now, verse 27, it says this. At that time, they will see the Son of Man, he's talking about himself, talking about Jesus, coming in a cloud with power and great glory. When these things begin to take place, stand up and lift up your heads. Now remember that. If you're taking notes this morning, you can write that down or highlight that, underline that. Remember that because your redemption is drawing near. Here's what Jesus is saying. There's going to be a lot of chaos in this world as we approach the return of Jesus coming back. And, and so in all this chaos, here's the thing you need to understand. God, even though there's chaos all around you, God still wants you to have peace. He wants you to be led by peace. The kingdom of God is a kingdom of peace. It's the nature of who God is, and that's what he creates. But the devil doesn't want you to have that. He wants to steal away your peace. It's a birthright that you can have, but he wants to steal it from you. But God His kingdom is a kingdom of peace. In fact, let me show you some verses on that. Romans 14, verse 17 says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, everybody say peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So one of the ways we we know that the kingdom of God is at work in us and through us is that the peace of God is with us. We have the peace of God with us. Look at this, Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with joy and peace. Everybody say peace. As you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Isaiah 9, talking about the Messiah who was to come, prophesied that he would be the prince of peace. Uh, in, in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10, it talks about Jesus coming and that he would be a high priest in the order of Melchizedek. Melchizedek was a pre-incarnate picture of Jesus Christ. In fact, some people believe that Melchizedek actually was Jesus in the Old Testament. That word Melchizedek actually means king of peace. Okay, so, so Jesus is a, is, is, brings peace to where he goes. That's what he does. That's who he is. That's a sign of the kingdom of God at work in the world around us is that, that peace comes with it. And, and, and you can know that the kingdom of God is at work in your life because of peace. And in the same way, you can know that the kingdom of the enemy is at work in your life when you don't have peace. When, when you're dealing with fear and anxiety and depression and those things are coming against you and tormenting you, you can recognize those things as not being from God, but being the enemy trying to steal your peace and wear you out. That's what he wants to do. But Jesus offers us peace. In fact, in, in, in John chapter 14, turn there. If you have your Bible, get, turn there or a device. I want you to see this this morning. I want you to highlight this. I want you to mark this. I want you to look at this this week. Because this is what this is a key verse, I believe, in what we're looking at today. John chapter 14, verse 27. Jesus is getting ready. He's talking to his disciples about after he leaves and what it's going to be like. And, and he says this. He says, I am leaving you with a gift. Okay, so what is the gift? Here it is. Peace of mind and of heart. This is a gift from Jesus. And the peace I give is a gift that the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Remember what I told you, I am going away, but I will come back to you again. So here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, I'm leaving, but I'm going to leave you with peace until I come back. You're going to have peace. I'm going to give you this peace. It is a birthright for us as believers. It's a gift from Jesus Christ. And listen, if you don't have peace in your life right now in any other area, then the enemy is trying to steal, kill, and destroy you. He's robbing you of something that Jesus has given you that you deserve. That's a right of yours as a believer. 
He says, I'm giving you the gift of peace. And notice he says, and it's not like the world gives. So, so let me, let's talk about the difference between the peace of Jesus and the peace of this world, okay? Here, here's the peace of Jesus. Uh, the peace of Jesus is abiding and it's internal and it's trans-circumstantial. In other words, it, it's, it's relevant and it's real and it's for us today and it goes beyond the circumstances of our life. It's not based on what's happening in this natural world. It's based on God's presence in our life. I'll say it this way. God's peace is easy to get and it's hard to lose. It's not based on circumstances. That's what the world's kind of peace is based on. And if you really think about that, that kind of peace is hard to get because it's hard to find yourself in a place where everything is peaceful around you, right? And it's easy to lose because one little thing goes off in your life and now your peace is gone. But God wants you to have a kind of peace that's not based on just what's going on around you. It's based on your confidence in God and his ability to walk with you and be with you. Not, not a cheap version of peace that the world tries to offer you. So how do we step into this peace? How do we get it? How do we attain it? How do we walk in it? And what is it to us? Why do we need this? Okay, so I want to give you four things this morning, four reasons why you need this peace. And then I want to talk to you about four ways you can get it in your life. Okay, so if you're taking notes, here's my first point this morning. Peace is our guide. Peace is our guide. God wants to guide you with peace. He wants to direct you in life with his peace. The Bible says this in Colossians 3 verse 15. Let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. Underline that word rule, highlight that, whatever it is that you can do. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. We're called as believers to live in this peace. That word uh, rule there, where it talks about this peace ruling in our hearts, is, is the word, um, bri, the Greek word, bribayu. And it means, uh, it means an umpire. It means to be an umpire. Okay, so right now, uh, the World Series has is, is been decided, right? If you've been watching baseball, I, I like baseball. I like to watch baseball, especially this time of year. Um, because it's, it, it seems like every pitch is so crucial and so critical, right? And there's so many things going on in baseball, so much strategy and analytics and things that go into a baseball game nowadays. And when I watch baseball, it's always fascinating to me because you think about an umpire. An umpire isn't just someone there to enforce the rules. Really, what the umpire is doing is the umpire is telling you what's going on in the game. He's, he's telling you the current status of the inning and where everything is and what's happening in the game. He's keeping you uh, in, in, in the know of, the, of what's happening. So he's calling balls and strikes and he's directing us in what's happening in the game. Now, in the same way, uh, the peace of God, God wants to give you this peace in your life that directs you in life. See, God knows the game better than we do. <laughs> he knows what's going on. He, he knows what the future holds. And what he wants to do is he wants to lead you. He wants to lead your heart with peace so that he can direct you in what to do and what decisions to make, where to go, and, and how to live your life. Now, in the Old Testament, we see a picture of this, of God leading the heart of his people. Uh, in the Old Testament, uh, the high priest uh, used to wear this thing called an ephod. I have a picture of it this morning. Ephod is that little, that little plate on the, on the chest of the, that's the high priest there. And they had this plate on their chest and it had 12 stones on it, 12 precious stones. And those 12 stones represented the 12 tribes of Israel. And then behind that plate was a little pouch. And in that pouch uh, were these two little stones called the Urim and the Thummim. Urim and the Thummim. And, and those stones were sat against the heart of the high priest. So in Bible times, the high priest was the only one who could really communicate with God. 
And so he would go to God on behalf of the children of Israel and he would talk to God and God would give him answers. And one of the ways God led him was through the Urim and the Thummim. He led his heart with these things. So, so he, would go to the, he would go to God, the high priest would, and he would say, God, what do you want us to do? Do you want us to fight this battle? Do you want us to take this land? Do you want us to take this route or this route? He would ask these questions as they were going towards the promised land, and then God would do something. If the answer was yes, God would cause the Urim to heat up over his heart, and the Thummim would stand up over his heart. And he would know when that happened that God was saying yes. If he asked God a question and, and nothing happened, he would know that God was saying No. So God led the children of Israel by the heart of the high priest into the promised land. That's one of the ways he did this. Now, in the same way today, listen, we are the high priests. Because of Jesus Christ, me and you, all of us can hear from the Lord. He wants to direct you. We have become high priests before God, and God can direct us. And one of the ways he does this is through, the, is through peace in our heart. He directs us in what decisions to make. And this is important because here, here's the reality that we live in. Some of the practical uh, day-to-day answers that we need for life are not found just directly in the pages of Scripture. Now hear me, I'm not saying that the Bible is not important. The Bible is, is, is authority, it's God's word, it is perfect in everything. But, but for example, uh, which major should I take in college? You're not necessarily going to find a Bible verse that speaks to that, that question. Now, the principles are there for how to, how to guide our life, but some of the specifics are not there. Uh, what job should you take? Should I take this job or should I take this job? That, there's no specific verse about that in, in the Bible, but, but yet God knows what's going to happen with those two jobs. He knows if this job over here is going to move to Michigan in three months, and that's not a good job for you to take. So God, God wants to lead you specifically. So one of the ways he does this is through peace, listen, in agreement with his word. And that's very important. The peace of God always is submitted to the word of God. Everything is, including me and you. God's never going to tell you something and give you peace about a decision that goes against his word. He's not going to give you peace about, you know, leaving your wife to marry this guy's wife. I got peace about it. No, you got a piece of pie. That's not peace from God. Okay. That's not, we don't follow that peace. All right, we follow the peace of God, and the peace of God is always going to be in agreement with the Word of God. And listen, this is so, so huge in our walk with God. This is a navigational instrument that God wants to give you to direct you and lead you through life. And I can't tell you how many times God has ministered and helped me and Sarah to make decisions based on peace. I was thinking about this week. I remember uh, years ago, eight years ago, we were in a place where we felt like God was stirring in our hearts a change. And during this season, uh, somebody came to us and offered us a job at a church in Dallas, Texas. And so we went to Dallas and we visited this church. And I'm just going to be real with you. We, we saw the church and there was a lot of problems that we had with the church. We didn't love the way they did praise and worship. We didn't love the way that they were doing some of the ministries that they were doing. There's a lot of things that didn't make sense to us as to why God would call us to that church and yet we both had peace about it. I remember talking to Sarah and having a conversation where, where we were both going, I don't, I don't know why, but I have peace about this. And so we sold our house in Tulsa, Oklahoma, where we were living, and we moved to Dallas to be a part of this church. And within six months, the pastor of that church had a moral failure. And so now you're thinking, did we just totally miss it? Did we blow it? Is this what's happening here? But it was funny because even during that season, 
there was a peace that God had on us, a peace that passed our understanding that just told us, no, 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 you're okay. You're where I have you. You're going to be fine. And we were totally at ease during that whole process when there was a ton of uncertainty going on around us. Well, little did we know another church was going to come in and going to be going to adopt our church. And we were going to become a part of this church. And that church was called Gateway Church, Pastor Robert Morris, who is my pastor. And under that church, we got to sit under that church for six years and we got to learn a whole new way of doing ministry. And a lot of what you see at New Song is based on what we learned at Gateway. And God wanted us at Gateway all along. And he led us there through this other, these other circumstances and gave us peace in order to take those steps. God directs us in peace. I remember when we were moving to Oklahoma City, we were at Dallas, we were at Gateway. We had a great church, a great job, a great environment. One of the biggest churches in America we're a part of. We feel like God's calling us to leave all that and to come to Oklahoma City. And so we come to Oklahoma City and we're looking for where we're going to plant this church. You know, Oklahoma City is a pretty big city. And there's Edmond and there's Mustang and there's Yukon and there's Norman and there's more. And we're trying to figure out, okay, God, where do you want us to go? And I remember coming up here with a group of people, David and my parents and Sarah and a few of us came up and we drove around the city and we're just kind of expecting there to be this moment where it's like, this is our place. And that didn't happen. And we drove home that day going, well, I don't know what we're supposed to do. I don't know where we're supposed to put this church. And I was praying one day. And as I was praying, I felt God speak to me. And he said, I want you to quit looking for where to plant the church and start looking for where to plant your family. And I'll show you where to plant your family. And then that will be where you plant the church. And so we kind of changed our perspective. We started looking for a house for, for our family. And it came down to two houses, one of which was in Mustang. And then one was over here in Deer Creek. And we liked both of these houses. They were both really nice and they looked really good. And so we were coming in one day to, to look at these houses and we prayed, me and Sarah prayed. We said, Lord, we pray that you'd lead us in peace, that we would know beyond a shadow of a doubt. You've told us that you're going to plant this church where we plant our family. So God, we need wisdom. And I remember walking into that house in Mustang and I'll be honest, it was, an, it's, it's, it was a big, nice house. It was really great. But I remember walking in and I just, it did not feel right. I kept finding problems with it. The first time we looked at it, I really liked it. But this time I was like, I can't even believe I like this house. And then we walked into our house out here in Deer Creek. And the moment I stepped into that house, I remember looking at Sarah and just saying, this is it. I didn't even have to look around hardly. And I knew the peace of God. And she had the same peace. Listen, God wants to lead you in peace. And that was a big decision because we planted the church here in this area because that's where God put us. And some of you may not be a part of New Song if it wasn't for that. It was a big decision. God knew what he wanted to do. God knew things we didn't understand. We couldn't see it, but he wanted to umpire for us. He wanted to lead our hearts and direct us. And he does that with peace. And listen, he's no respecter of persons. He wants to lead you in the same way. And one of the things that you can do, especially if you're a married couple, is you can be led by this peace. You know, me and Sarah, uh, when we're making big decisions, we always come together and we pray and we seek the peace of God. And if one of us has peace and the other one doesn't, we don't do it. And if one of us, if she has peace and I don't, we don't do it. And I can't tell you how many times that we've been making a decision and in the natural, nothing made sense, but we had the peace of God. And so we followed that peace and God led us to something that we couldn't, we would have never dreamed of. Or there's been times that everything seemed great in the natural, but we didn't have peace. We didn't take those steps and God kept us from something that would have hurt us. God wants to lead you with peace. It's a real thing. It's a tangible thing. It's, it's something inside of your heart that, that just tells you that this is right that this is going to be good. It's a peace that he settles inside of you to guide you and to lead you. And listen, this is one of the way, one of the reasons why the enemy wants to steal your peace because he knows how important of a navigational instrument this is for you in doing what God's called you to do. 
And if he can steal your peace away, he can steal away God's ability to lead you and guide you in life. So we've got to fight for this peace so that it can guide us in life. Okay, so peace is our guide. Here's number two. Peace is our protector. Peace is our protector. Philippians 4 verse 6 says this. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. Notice, by prayer, we're doing this by prayer. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, everybody say peace of God. Which surpasses all understanding will, look at this, guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Okay, so it says that by prayer and supplication, we can have the peace of God and this peace surpasses our understanding. It's, it basically goes beyond our natural thinking. And this peace wants to guard us. God wants to, to guard our hearts and our minds with this peace. That word guard there is the Greek word uh, frurio, and it means a military guard that protects against an enemy. And we receive this by praying. So, so here's what happens. When you pray, by you praying and inviting the peace of God in, God is able then, a big God who wants to be with you, is able to come in and is able to set a guard around your heart and your mind to protect you from the enemy, from thoughts, from things that would try to steal away your peace. But listen, when you don't pray, you don't put the guard in place. And you're opened to the attacks of the enemy to come in and fill your mind up with thoughts, that, thoughts of fear and thoughts of anxiety and thoughts of depression that steal your joy and wear you out and keep you from what God has for you. So we've got to protect ourselves. We've got to pray. We've got to go before the Lord. Now, maybe you're a person, you're saying, yeah, I go to pray and all I can think about is these worries and these anxieties and these problems. Listen, that's good. That's your prayer list, okay? Those are the things that you need to be praying about. Those are the things you need to write them down and you need to start praying over those things and bringing those before the Lord and allowing him to minister to those things in your life. That's the list that he wants you to be praying over. Uh, you you got to bring that before the Lord. And, and, and sometimes I, I think we don't, we don't want to do that. We're not sure if we should do that. So here's what we do. We pray over those things and we continue to pray over those things until we have peace. Now, I don't mean that you have to have this 72-hour nonstop prayer vigil that just, where I'm not saying that. I'm saying day by day, you continue to go back to God and pray over those areas and invite his peace to come and minister to those areas where you don't have it. And as you do that, God will set a guard in your life in those areas to protect you and to give you peace and to keep the enemy's thoughts from coming against you. Peace uh, is our protector. Here's number three. Peace is our platform. Peace is our platform. Peace is what we stand on. It's, it's a part of what we stand on, and it's a part of our platform to this world that shows them that God's at work in our life. Look at this. Uh, in Ephesians 6, it talks about the, the armor of God. And it talks about, um, in verse 15, it says, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In other words, having put on your gospel shoes. You're going to put on these shoes of the gospel. Now, the gospel is the message of Jesus Christ. And the gospel is a gospel of peace, right? Uh, what, what Jesus came to do is he died on the cross. He paid for our sins. He's risen from the dead. Because of what he did, we can now have peace with God through what he did for us. And, and part of what we're called to do now is then take that message, put on our gospel shoes, and take it out to the world around us. But listen, you can't bring a message of peace to a world full of chaos if you're living like the world and acting like the world and meditating on the things of the world. If all you have to offer is more chaos, your message is, is null and void. It doesn't matter. 
No one wants to hear from you if, if, if you don't have a good gospel message. But listen, th- that's what makes you attractive to the world around you. When you have the peace of God at work in your life, when the circumstances of this world don't determine your outlook on life and the way you see things and the way you think, there's something about that that the people in this hurting, lost, broken, unpeaceful world see that and they say, I don't know what that person's got going on, but I want that. It's what's attractive to us around the world. It's our platform. It's the message that we stand on is that God is a God of peace and he brings peace to his people. It's good stuff, right? So if you're Christian, you gotta, you gotta get this peace down inside of you so that you can live from it and bring it to the world around you. Here's number four. Peace is our purpose. Peace is our purpose. Matthew five verse nine says, blessed are the peacemakers. Everybody say peacemakers. Peacemakers. Say it like you mean it. Peacemakers. Peacemakers. For they shall be called sons of of God. Uh, Jesus said this in Luke chapter 10 as he was getting ready to send out his disciples to start delivering the message to people. He said this in verse 3 Go your way. Behold, I send you out as lambs among the wolves. So think about that. We're, we're lambs, we're sheep. We're going out among wolves. It means we're going out among bad stuff going on around us. Carry neither money bag, knapsack, nor sandals, and greet no one along the road. But whatever house you enter, look at this. First say, Peace to this house. So we bring peace into the atmospheres we go into. And if a son of peace is there, which is us, your peace will rest on it. Our peace will rest and, and go into the places that we go into. It will not return to you. Here's what you see. Christians are called to bring peace, to speak peace into chaos around us. So what we're called to do. God has called us to be peacemakers, to bring the peace of God into, into areas where wolves are at work and where chaos and, and, and things fighting against peace are running rampant. That's what God's called us to do. There's a, there's a story in Mark chapter four where Jesus is crossing over this body of water and he's with his disciples and you know the story, the waves and the wind and everything starts to, starts to beat against this boat and it's chaos and the disciples are full on freaking out. I mean, they're crying and worried and they go down to the bottom of the boat and they find Jesus and it says he's asleep on a pillow. Notice he's asleep during all this. He's at peace and they wake him up and they're like, don't you care? Like we're all going to die. This is terrible. And this is what happens. Jesus comes out in verse 39. Then he rose and look at this, rebuked the wind and said to the sea, notice these words, peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. Jesus brought calm to a chaotic situation. Jesus brought peace into chaos. And listen, as Christians, as Christ followers, as people who are called to be Christ-like, we are called to speak peace into the chaos around us. It's what God's called us to do. Why was Jesus able to do this? Why? Because peace was in his heart. So you can't create what you aren't. The nature of the heart of Jesus was the nature of peace. And so he was able to take, see, too often the outside world influences the inside. Jesus didn't let that happen. He let his inside influence the outside world. The disciples couldn't do this. The disciples, you know, at their hearts probably looked just like those waves and the wind and all the chaos. I mean, we see that in the way they reacted to it. But Jesus, he came out and because his nature was a nature of peace, it affected the, the, the culture around him. And I want you to understand something. The nature of your heart is going to affect the world around you. 
If you are dealing with anxiety and fear and depression and your relationships are a mess and you, you, that is going to affect everyone around you. It's going to affect your marriage. It's going to affect your relationships. It's going to affect your finances. It's going to affect things because the nature of your heart is going to affect the, the, the world around you. But if your nature, your heart is a heart that is settled in the peace of God, then that peaceful nature is going to affect the world around you. It's going to affect your world. It's going to rest on your children and on your marriage, on your relationships and on your finances. So how do we get a peaceful heart? Well, I'm glad you asked. Let's talk about that. I'll give you four things this morning to help you to have this peace that God wants to offer you. Number one is this. You submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. If you want to have peace in your heart, the kind of peace that can affect the world around you, you have to submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Look at this, Isaiah 9, verse 6. I've I've heard this verse so many times. I'm sure you have too. But some stuff stood out to me this week like I've never seen it before. For unto us, it says, a child is born. Unto us, a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulders. What's government? Government is is the thing that rules in, in the world that we live in, right? The governments are ruling bodies. The government will be on his shoulders and his name will be called. These are his names. In other words, this is who he is. Wonderful, counselor, mighty God. Hear these words, everlasting father. And here it is, prince of peace. Now look at what it says next, verse seven. Of the increase of his government and peace, of the increase of his rule and peace, there will be no end. Here's what you see. When the rule of Jesus increases, the peace of Jesus increases. Okay, so, so here's what happens. We get saved. We ask Jesus into our heart. We make him the Lord of our life, right? We all make that decision. And when we do that, we do that. It's a real thing. It happens. A miracle takes place. We're born again. We get a new spirit. But then there's a process that we walk out in this world of, of, of walking out our, our Christian life and becoming more like Jesus Christ and submitting every area to, of our life to Jesus. And that's a daily process that we learn and grow in day by day. You know, Jesus wants to be the Lord of your mouth. You know that? He wants to rule and reign over your mouth. Jesus wants to rule and reign over your relationships. He wants to be the boss of your relationships. He wants to be the boss of your marriage. He wants to be the boss of your finances. And here's the thing, where we allow God to be the boss, where we give him lordship, we receive his peace in that area. So if you give God lordship in these areas, every area you submit to God, every area you give to him, his peace comes to reign in that area of our life. So listen, today, if there's an area of your life that you don't have peace in, it's really good news. All you have to do is go to God and submit that area to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And he will begin to come and work on you and work through you and develop you and grow you. And with him comes his peace because that's who he is. He's the Prince of Peace. So, so here's what we have to do. We got we to gotta get into this. We got to follow Jesus. We got we to gotta pursue him in these areas of our life and allow him to minister to each one of those areas. Where the, where the government of, of our life rests on our shoulders, in those areas, you're not going to have peace. But where you allow the government of your life to rest on the shoulders of Jesus Christ, you're going to have peace. That's good stuff right there. Okay, so here's number two. Uh, if you want to... I'm going to spend some time on this one because this is a really good one. If you want to have peace in your heart, here's number two. Pray diligent, word-filled prayers. Pray diligent, word-filled prayers. Philippians 4 verse 6 says this, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, highlight that, circle that, underline that, whatever, let your requests be made known 
to God. Now, that term with thanksgiving can mean a couple of different things. One, it can mean uh, that we continue to remind ourselves of all the times that God's been faithful to us in the past. We thank him for the times that he's shown up in the past and, and ministered us and taken care of us, and that's great. And when we do that, here's what happens. We remind ourselves of God's faithfulness in the past, and it points us to his faithfulness in the future because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if he was faithful in the past, he'll be faithful in the future. And that builds our faith to receive from God. But there's another way you can interpret this with thanksgiving is I think we pray and we thank God that he hears us. We thank him that when we're praying, we know that he's hearing us. I don't know about you, but it gives me peace in my heart to know that when I pray, the God of all creation, the God of this universe, the most powerful being in in all of everything is hearing my prayers and is working to answer my prayers. That brings peace to my heart. And listen, that's a confidence that you can have. The Bible says this in John 5 verse 14. It says, this is the confidence that you can have in approaching God. In other words, you can go before God with boldness, knowing this, look at this, that if we ask anything according to his will, what's his will? If you're taking notes, write this down. The will of God is the word of God. The will of God is God's word. It's the Bible, what the Bible says. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So when we pray according to the will of God, according to the word of God, he hears us. He hears those prayers. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, look at this, we know that we have what we asked for. This is one of the great verses of the Bible, man. You can know that when you pray and you ask God for things, that what you're asking for, he's going to give it to you. If you know that what you're praying for is in agreement with his word, because he hears you and he answers what you pray for in those circumstances. So, so here's the thing. I can go to God and I can pray and I can say, Lord, I pray that you would turn me into Superman, that I would be able to to, you know, do the things that Superman does, fly through the air. What is it? He jumps buildings with a single bound and more powerful than a locomotive and all that stuff. I'm praying, God, you do that for me. God doesn't hear that prayer. Why? Because it's not, it's not in agreement with the word of God. So that's a, I can pray that all I want, but he's not going to hear it. And so I'm not going to get an answer to that prayer. But I can go to God and I can say, God, I pray that you would, you would bless me. I'm a tither. I'm a giver. And I pray that you'd open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing. That's beyond what I can contain. God hears that prayer. That's in agreement with his word. God, I pray that you protect me, that no evil will befall me or come near me. God hears that prayer because it's in alignment with his, his word. I pray, God, that, that you would take this fear away from me because you haven't given me the spirit of fear. That's a, that's a trespassing spirit that doesn't come from you. So I pray the spirit of fear is broken over my life in Jesus' name and it has no place in my life. God hears that prayer. Why? Because it's in agreement with his word. This is good stuff. So if we can, if we can agree with his word in our prayers, God hears us and we have those answers. So what's the key here? Then the key is we gotta know what the word of God says. We got to get into the word. We got to pray scriptures. And when we pray those scriptures, it's powerful. You know, the word of God, the Bible talks about it being a weapon. It says that the, the, the Bible is the sword of the spirit, that it's, it's an offensive weapon that we have against the enemy, the word of God. That's what it is. I was thinking about that this week and uh, in this, this message called Peacemaker, right? And I was, and it was reminded when I was a kid growing up, um, my dad grew up in West Texas in the 1950s and he loves kind of Western culture and cowboys and, and all that stuff. So I kind of grew up learning about that and we'd have wild West books in our house and we'd watch Western movies. And, you know, I I just kind of grew up around that. I rode horses growing up. And so it was a, it was a fun childhood. But one of the things I learned about was there was a gun in the, in the Western days. It was called the Colt Peacemaker. 
And it's called The Gun That Won the West. And in 1873, Samuel Colt invented this 45 caliber, six-chamber revolver, and it revolutionized everything. You got to understand, before this gun came out, people were still using, like, gunpowder, and you put a projectile in, and you packed it in, and it had to use a cap, and you'd fire one shot, and then you'd have to do that all over again. And then the revolver, Sam Colt invented the revolver, but it still, you know, he still had to pack everything in and make your, make your bullets. But then he invented the cartridges that would go in and this totally changed the game. And, and when the Colt Peacemaker came out, it was the most powerful, accurate, consistent weapon that had ever come out. And it changed everything. Uh, it became the military standard. They issued this gun to all of the military at that time. And it became known as the gun that won the West. And it was called the Peacemaker because here's the deal. When you had that gun and you pulled that, ga- that gun out, peace just seemed to come about. <laughs> there may be chaos going on all around you. But when you pulled out that gun, the enemies of peace would see the gun that you had, recognize it as being the most powerful, accurate, efficient weapon of the day. And they would say, you know what, we're good. We'll just, we'll move along, right? Now, here's what I want you to see. The Bible is our peacemaker. God has given us this, this Bible, and this weapon is a weapon that we can pull out, and when we pull it out and speak it out of our mouth, the enemies of peace see that weapon coming out of us, and they say, we gotta go. Demons and devils and everything trying to come against us and steal our peace has to run because the peacemaker is out and, and being used and is being wielded by a person who can use it. So we got to get in the word. We got to know what the word of God says. You know, the Bible is full of, uh, someone said once that there's over 3,000 promises in scripture. 3,000 promises. My question to you is, what promises are you not taking advantage of today? Which ones are you missing out on? I I read this week that every year, 5.8 billion, billion with a B, billion dollars worth of gift cards go unused. So people go out and they buy gift cards for people. They give them to them. The, the, the benefits are there for the taking, but people never use them. And so they go to waste. Listen, the Bible is full of 3000 promises, benefits for you as a believer that have been paid for by the blood of Jesus. And if we don't claim them, we don't get to have them. They're there for the taking, but we gotta, we gotta take them. We gotta claim them. So where are you struggling? Where is peace being stolen from you? You gotta find scriptures and live your life based on it. You're struggling with fear, find verses about fear. You're struggling with raising your children, find verses about raising your kids, that your, that your children are a gift from the Lord, that, they're, that, that happy is the man whose quiver is full of them, that they are arrows in the hand of a mighty warrior, that you're gonna fire them into the world and do damage to the kingdom of darkness with your kids. Doesn't matter what the world says, doesn't matter what's going on around you, that's what the word of God says. You pray that, you're praying according to the word, and you can have it. I'm preaching a lot better than you guys are amening right now. All right, here's number three. You wanna, you wanna have peace in your heart, get a Godward mindset. Get a Godward mindset. Here's what that means. Well, let me read you this. Isaiah 26, verse 3 says, You will keep in perfect peace. How many would you like to have perfect peace? Yeah, perfect peace. All who trust in you, they put their trust in you, whose hearts are fixed on you. You know, one of the the major problems that we see in the world today is that we get our eyes fixed on the wrong stuff. One of the main causes of anxiety and fear is that we, we, here's what we do. We put our eyes on ourselves, and we put our eyes on our problems. And when we do that, those things become big. And we enlarge those things and they begin to kind of come in and, and overtake us in life. But God wants you to fix your eyes on him. Uh, there's a story in, in Numbers chapter 13 where the, 
the children of Israel are getting ready to take the promised land. Now realize this is the promised land. This is land that God promised them he was going to give them. It's their promise. It's theirs. It's a promise from God. And they're getting ready to go into this land. And as they go in, they decide to send in these 10 spies. And the spies go in. And eight of the spies go into the land. And they see these giants. And they see all the problems. And they come back with a report saying, we are like insects to them. There's no way we can take this land. We can't do it. And two guys, Joshua and Caleb, come back. And they say, we can do it because our God is able. Here's the difference between the two. Ten of the, eight of those guys were focused on the size of the giants in comparison to them. Joshua and Caleb were focused on the size of their God in comparison to the problems. What's your eyes, what are your eyes fixed on? What are you looking at right now? Are you looking at the problems around you or are you looking at Jesus? Remember that verse I read to you earlier from Luke 21 where Jesus was talking about the world and the chaos that's going on around us and what he said, or I told you to remember this, uh, Luke 21 verse 28, when you see these things begin to take place, when you see the chaos all around you, when you see the terrorism, when you see this stuff, what are we supposed to do? He says this, stand up and lift up your heads. In other words, look up, look up because your redemption is drawing near. Notice he doesn't say, when you see these things, start looking at those things and focusing on those problems and focusing on those things. No, he says, look up, look at me because your redemption is drawing near. We got to take our eyes off the things of this world and put our focus on God and look look at your problems in comparison to your God. Your God is bigger and stronger and greater than anything that you're up against, whatever it may be. Here's number four. Number four way, we receive, we receive peace, walk in peace, create peace in the world around us. Number four, have a daily dependence on the Holy Spirit. Have a daily dependence on the Holy Spirit. Daily count on the Holy Spirit to fill you with peace. Daily count on the Holy Spirit to fill you with the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5 talks about the fruit of the Spirit. One of them is peace. It's a fruit of the Spirit. Fruit is something that's produced by a tree. It's it's. it's produce that, that, that tree, that apple tree is going to produce apples, right? The Holy Spirit wants to produce in your life, the fruit of peace. It's a birthright that you have as a Christian. It's something that God has made a way for you to have. Jesus has given us his peace. It's not like the peace of this world. It's not fleeting. It's not counterfeit. It's a real peace that that's easy to get. And it's hard to lose. It's a peace that God wants to use to guard you and to guide you. It's a peace that God wants to use to lead you into the promised land that he has for you. And it's every one of you in here who's made Jesus the Lord of your life. It's your right to have it. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning? What is the Holy Spirit saying to you this morning in this message? Now, I want to do something a little bit different than I normally do here at New Song. I want to pray for you. This, this week, as I was studying this and preparing for this message, I really felt like the Lord was leading me to pray for our church and to pray for your peace. Because I want this. I want our church to be full of peacemakers. Be full of people who are going into environments and speaking peace into those environments and changing those environments. I want our church to be full of people whose feet are shod with the gospel of peace, who people look at us and they see the platform of peace in our life and they say, I want what those people have. And they're attracted to what God is doing in our life because we're allowing peace to work through us. I want that. And I know some of you are in here today and you are struggling with peace. And I don't know why, I don't know what has happened, but I believe that there's things. And you know what? It may be, it may be your own fault. (laughs) 
I can't tell you how many times in my life I have struggled with peace and it was my own fault. It was decisions I had made, sins I had committed that had stolen the peace of God away from me. But whatever the case is, I want you to know God wants to give you peace today. He wants to deliver peace to you. It's a gift. It's a gift he wants to give to you and you can have it. And I wanna pray for you that you would have these peace. Now, real quick, look up here at me. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to sit in your seat. I want you to put your hands like this. Think about it kind of like this. I remember being a kid and I'd have to go get the, I'd have to go bring in wood for the fireplace. And I'd go outside and I'd hold my hands out like this and my dad would load me up with a bunch of wood, right? And I'd carry it in. Okay, so this is, this is what we're doing. This is what you're doing with your hands is a picture of your heart right now. And what we're saying by this, by this is we're saying, God, give me this. I'm, I'm, you're gonna put this into my hands. You're gonna put this into my heart. You're gonna put this into my mind right now. I believe that God's gonna deliver this to you. So close your eyes, keep your hands out like that. And let's pray, Lord, I thank you. Like Jesus, you are the Prince of Peace, God, and you want to deliver peace and bring peace to our church. And Lord, right now I pray on behalf of New Song Church that you would fill our church, download peace, into the people in this room, God. As we have our hands outreached and submission to you, Lord, I pray that you would fill us with peace, that peace would rest in our hearts, in our minds. It would be attractive. It would be the thing that this world sees and they go, what do you have, Lord? What, what do they have? I want what they have. And I bind a spirit of fear. I bind a spirit of anxiety and depression. I bind a spirit of suicide that would try to come against people in this room. I curse those things in Jesus' name. Lord, your word says that you have given us a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And I pray, Lord, as we put our focus on you, that you would give us, you'd fill our hearts with praise, fill our hearts with joy and hope and peace as we focus in on you. Demon spirits of of anxiety and depression, I bind you in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you that, that as we submit every area of our life to you, to trust in you, that your peace would come to rule and reign in those areas of our life. We choose not to live in anxiety. We choose not to focus on the things of this world. We choose not to worry. We choose to trust you. And Lord, right now, as we begin to, to trust in you with these issues, we thank you that you carry away the burdens of our hearts. You carry away and you protect us. You set a guard over our hearts and over our minds and you protect us. As we put our, our eyes on you, Holy Spirit, we ask that you fill us up. Holy Spirit, fill us up. Fill us with peace. Fill us anew today. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.